to hear from you this morning. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good to see y'all. Thanks for that, Tom and gang. That was fun. Revive us. I think that's kind of a... That's what I asked. I'm excited. That's what I definitely am always looking for is is God just to move in fresh ways. Um, You know, as we come to this kind of a a fun day for us as a church, it's a kind of a a church family day, really. And uh, after the second service, we have picnic, we have baptisms. and, uh, And so if you get a chance to hang out and have coffee or go do something fun and then come back, we invite you to join us. It's uh, kind of fun to celebrate with all those getting baptized, and, and I, uh, I'm so blessed to see the lives change. Uh, today, for me, there's a special one. I maybe don't want to make one more special than another, but today I get to baptize my dad, which is way cool. So, so. Uh, hopefully, hopefully by then he's not too tired. He's only 80. <laughs> And one of us is usually pretty wore out by the end of the services, but, uh, and it's not usually him. So, <laughs> But uh, coming to that, uh, I think that there's a few things have changed over the last several uh, weeks and almost months now for me. And uh, today I just really was kind of struck to kind of revisit where we are, Marcia and I, and all of us on this journey with cancer. And of course, many of you sitting here are struggling with cancer or someone you love is going through some kind of a, a struggle with this disease, or, or really there's so many other things that the truth is every one of us is suffering. And we all go through suffering as part of life on this earth. I think it's something that the sooner we realize it's here and it's something we deal with, it gives God an incredible opportunity to move. And uh, I'm just excited to, uh, to, uh, to see God move in your lives as, as you suffer and as I suffer. It's nothing we ever ask for, obviously. But on the other hand, uh, I think there's something really uh, profound about that. Uh, our society is so bent on uh, when someone gets sick or someone starts going through hard times or they struggle, we just kind of want to push it to the side, you know, push them to the side. And let's charge on with the, the young and the strong and the vibrant. And yet the, the reality is, is uh, the reality of life is, is suffering. And we all kind of go through different seasons like that. So today I just really want to kind of share how God has impacted me and some of the kind of lessons I've learned. And uh, I talked about it last fall when I first came back from Mayo and then again at Easter and then different pieces here and there. And Marsha's pretty good at sharing uh, with you all, but I'm not. And actually if it was up to me, um, probably most of you wouldn't even know I had cancer. That's kind of much more me. I'm just... Uh, uh, kind of that, 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 that person that's more introverted, and she's not, as you know. Uh, and so uh, it's helpful. But, uh, you know, basically uh, last summer in 2015 is when I was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, and so I did chemo radiation. They cut me open in the front and, you know, took out the tumor. And there was about a 30% chance and maybe up to 50, but it was a 30% chance that would be a cure, so a 70% chance it wouldn't. And so they cut that out and they opened me up in the, from the middle of my back across and took out most of my esophagus and pulled my stomach up. And, and when I went back in the fall, found out that I had, um, the, 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 the cancer had metastasized to my liver. 
And so esophageal cancer as it metastasizes is really not a, a good thing if you're looking at it from a long uh, life on this earth. Matter of fact, they really told us that realistically you just kind of have months to live and maybe a little longer with treatment depending on what happens. And, uh, and, I, and I just uh, came home and I've really been focusing on what God has asked me to do through this whole process, kind of the big, big rocks, I call them. Uh, focusing on our family and our kids and our grandkids and uh, just those around us, our friends that we love, and, and really uh, trying to just study and teach the Word, which is just a passion of mine, and He's given me an opportunity to do that and to engage with leaders and uh, to just pastor uh, as God provides opportunity and strength to do those things. And so it's been an awesome year. Uh, frankly, for Marcia and I, it's been an incredible year. And uh, it's been amazing to see how God has moved and what he's done. But uh, this summer, I guess it's been a couple months ago now, I developed jaundice and, and, uh, and I found out that that uh, the lesions had grown in my liver and, and it's kind of probably most likely kind of squeezing off part of that that duct and so uh, you know he kind of turned yellow and and uh, from all of a sudden people saying oh you look really good you know uh, and I'm thinking yeah stage four cancer it looks good on anyone you know <laughs> but uh, from from that place to where <laughs> kind of scare you because it's like you don't you don't look good you know uh, people don't say that. They're nice, but they say that. <laughs> and, and so, uh, but basically, so I had to have a stint put in, and they tried to drain it. My, my levels are still high, so I'm still somewhat jaundiced. But you get really sick. And, uh, and, but that, when that happened, I think it just kind of rocked a lot of people. And so I heard from a lot of people how, uh, oh my, you know, this is real. Uh, we were just kind of cruising along. Uh, not much of a notice of how cancer is impacting us or what we're doing, and all of a sudden now you start saying, "Oh, wow, this is this is real," and uh, and so uh, that that's kind of what we're dealing with, and that that made me think that it's really important for us to kind of revisit this as a family, uh, a church family. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had our annual meeting, and we looked at 2020 vision and and what God's doing at Rimrock, and he's he's put us in an incredible, healthy place. It's it's phenomenal as a church, uh, how amazing this place is uh, with leaders, uh, with, uh, with uh, just the ministries going on here financially, uh, just so many different ways he has poured out his blessings on a local church that's hard to describe really how well things are at Rimrock, but it's been incredible. And just to have the opportunity to see what he's doing and where we're going. And we've laid out a lot of those different visions. Our real heartbeat of our vision is, is living out Christ in us. And uh, that's really our vision. And so there's not really a box you draw a lot, a, a, around to say how does that look. Or there's not certain numbers you measure that. But it's pretty amazing to see how God is, is bringing that to fruition in his family. And uh, just how many people really are uh, getting to live out Christ in their lives and to see the gospel impact, uh, impact their world. And so it's really fun to see. Uh, I just want you to know, first of all, that, that you know, if something were to happen to me in, in the short term, you know, um, the, our, our services are, are covered. Um, actually, I have the schedule done until next summer, really. And, uh, and so we have it kind of laid out already till then. And so... We have a lot of really uh, incredible teachers here, and 
up here and then downtown as well. And there's an amazing group of elders and shepherding elders who are also really gifted teachers. And so uh, we have this uh, kind of laid out to where you would just continue on. We would just go without a blink. And so I never feel like I have to preach. I feel every time like, God, if you want me to, I'm available. I'd love to do this as long as you want me to. But the, the moment you don't, I'm willing to step aside. Uh, I want to honor Christ with my life. And if that means being a pastor till I die, that's fine. If that means... Uh, quitting tomorrow, that's fine. If that means uh, living for the next 15 years as a pastor, that's fine. I just want to honor Christ with my life, and I'm very free with how that looks, and I'm very peaceful with how that looks, and still completely peaceful about this cancer thing, and so it's amazing. And so uh, just know that we have these things covered, and, and, and so there's a certain sense where everything's going to be okay. I'll really... I, I am surrounded by incredible people who uh, really make this thing function and run, and, uh, and it's amazing what God does. So just, just know that. And today I just really want to kind of look at some of the things God has taught me, what he's taught me about his character, what he's taught me about how he's loved me, and then also just kind of some, uh, some life lessons. And so I hope that uh, it's not about me because it's really about Jesus Christ, and I hope that he speaks to every one of you, and uh, he, he moves in your lives and touches you through this time. So, Father, that's really our prayer. I, I pray that you, would just, uh, that you would just enter, manifest yourself, make yourself known. We know you're here. We know you're real. We know you're God. And I pray, God, that you would just make yourself manifest to each person sitting in this room, that they could not escape the presence of Almighty God, that you would just break through their spirits, and that you would speak. And uh, uh, if they don't hear a word, I say, it just doesn't matter, God. If, if you speak, that's what matters. And I pray, Father, that, that we would leave, and, and uh, each one of us would be praising our God and how awesome you are. We just want to give you the glory for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, the sense about what God has taught me, first of all, about his character, and it's a lot of things that we, we know, and we've spent a lot of time over the years studying uh, the attributes of God and what God is like, but, but I think one of the rock things that's, that's carried me from the first time they told me I had cancer and why I haven't been stressed about cancer is because uh, I know God is good. And so I just encourage you, maybe as we go through this, either to write these down or just write down verses and look them up, because there's something incredible about you getting in the Word of God and letting God tell you <laughs> through His Spirit and through the power of who He is uh, about Himself. Well, just know God is good. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. God is good. And of course, in our society, we've really watered down that word, uh, goodness. And I, and I talked about this pretty extensively a while back, but there's three different Greek words primarily that we get our English words for goodness from. One is goodness in action, you know, where you see, oh, that was really a, a good thing to do for that person, that you help them out. You see good deeds, and you see them uh, in our society, you see them in your world, and see so how this goodness in action, and we say, oh, that's good. Or you, you have this other goodness that's kind of external. And... Uh, and so it's like good-looking, 
or that tastes good, or, you know, that was a good time. There's these things that are external. And so when we think of good, we think, well, there's a lot of things that are good. There's a lot of things that are good in action. There's a lot of things that, that are good externally. There's a lot of things that we can see that are good. But then there's this third Greek word called agathos, agathos, and uh, it means good in character. It means good in nature. Uh, complete, infinite goodness. Now, who can you possibly describe that is completely, infinitely good? Only God. Only God. And so when you catch that through Scripture, and you catch that description, guess what? It doesn't apply to any of us. It applies to Him. Almighty God is infinitely good. And I tell you what, when you know that, that your God is good, and you tie it with a few other of His attributes, it's amazing what you can go through. There's no degrees of goodness with God. So people ask, well, why do bad things happen to good people? How many good people are there? (laughs) You see, we misunderstand God. We misunderstand God. And we see things and we think, well, somehow God is not powerful enough or somehow God is evil or somehow, but God is never evil, ever. He is always good and he arranges evil for his good. And only God is good. And guess what? Can God stop evil? Absolutely. And will he? Absolutely. And when he will, the game's over. It's going to happen, but the game's done. And there's not going to be any more of this good guy upstairs. There's not going to be any more of this of, oh, I kind of think about God occasionally. There's going to be on your face every single person on this earth before the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the only one who's truly good, is over. And, uh, and believe me, that's going to happen. <laughs> but we can know for a fact that God is good, and we can also know something about our God, is he's not bound by time. And so if we step back from our little limitations of how we see time and we see goodness over eternity, God is working everything out for good, and it's good for eternity. And it brings him glory and him honor. Just know that. God is good. It'll set you free no matter what you're going through. Just look for him in it. The second thing uh, about God's character is, is how he provides certain things to us, and one thing he provides to us is he provides grace for the moment. You know, you always look at other people and think, I could never go through what they're going through. Um, You're right. I look at you, many of you, and think I could never go through what you're going through. And uh, the truth is, that's because we're not going through what other people are going through. But in those moments when we walk through things, God provides his unearned favor, his grace. You know, he's poured out his grace on us. He's given us this grace to live moment by moment. Not only this sense that we can know him, but we can experience him. We exchange our old self for our new self. Christ lives in us. This ultimate good lives in us. And he provides for us grace for the moment. John chapter 1 verse 16, 17 says... Uh, Of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. He's full of grace. He's full of truth. God provides grace for you in your moments when you need it. Just rest in that. Third, we can know about his character as he's omnipresent. God is always here. He is always here. 
Now, when you think about, we have this God who's good. This God is going to provide grace for you. This God who's always here. Oh, it's kind of freeing. Uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Our God is always here. He's omnipresent. God contains all things. He's not contained by anything. He contains all things. He contains space. He contains time. He contains everything. And there's this difference between his presence, which is always here, and his manifest presence, which we get to experience at certain times. And that's really what I pray for you, uh, where he shows himself to you. He manifests himself to you. And that's really what Marsha and I have gotten to experience this last year uh, beyond what we can imagine. We've gotten to experience it lots of times in our lifetime, but particularly when you go through these seasons, it's amazing. And God shows his presence to you through other people and through circumstances, through his word. It's amazing. So I just challenge you to look for him. And you may have to change your schedule. Or you might have to change your focus. You might have to change your priorities. But you'll never regret it. Never regret it. God is here. Also know that God is all-sufficient. He's all-sufficient. El Shaddai. Uh, God doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need anything. Every one of us needs things. We need air. We need water. We, we need all kinds of things to be sustained. God doesn't need anything. He's totally sufficient. And he's able to take care of every need you have. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Each time, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and in the hardships and in the persecutions and in the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, we're strong only when we rely on the one who is ultimately strong, Jesus Christ. He's a sufficient one. Also, we can know the Lord always provides. He always provides. Jehovah Jireh, right? God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and his glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4. God always provides. He'll give you exactly what you need, exactly the right time. And you can know that. And finally, just about his character, we just need to know that God is sovereign. And obviously we could spend years talking about the sovereignty of God. And still continue to talk something new about the sovereignty of God. But uh, I, just, I just want to encourage you to know that this God that we worship is absolutely in control. Ah, he's got it. He's got it all. And you may think you're in control. You're deceived. He is sovereign. And we can rest in that. <laughs> the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32 says, See now, 
I'm he. There's no God beside me. It's I who put to death. I give life. I have wounded. It's I who heal. There's no one who can deliver from my hand. No one. And the verses I've rested on so long through this process of cancer and and, uh, the terminal illness is Psalm 39, verse 13 through 16 says this. You made all my delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched over me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. Did you catch that? Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. You want to know how freeing that is? I will die the day that God decides I will die. Right? As Taylor Swift would then say, so just shake it out. (laughs) That's the way it is. All right, my grandkids have been playing that song enough. Haters are going to hate. It's fine. But I tell you what, (laughs) I will die the day God decides I will die. I will not change that. Nothing else will change that. Only God decides that. And you know what kind of God we have? A God who is good, a God who is all-powerful, a God who is in control, a God who wants what's best for me, a God who loves me, a God who cares for me, a God who's with me, a God who will never leave me, never forsake me. This is the God we serve. And he's in control. He's good. And he gives us grace for the moment. And he's all-sufficient. And he is a provider, and he is sovereign. It's amazing how great our God is. And I ache for every one of you to get to know him in new and fresh ways. Like, I hope to continue to get to know him in new and fresh ways. I'm excited about eternity because we get to continue to know him. So not only is I've learned a few things about his character, things I've known, but maybe have been reinforced or, or taught in a unique way, but also his love has been displayed to me in incredible ways. Uh, very beginning, the very first, one of the first thoughts I thought is the best day of my life will be the day I die. And, uh, and I'm so excited about that. And as a believer, the best day of your life is going to be the day you die. And if, if you just uh, take some time to get to know your God, you won't even doubt that. And you won't even blink. Uh, Paul says, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Philippians 1, 21. But if I go on and live in the flesh, that's going to mean fruitful labor for me. I I don't know what to choose, but I'm hard-pressed from both directions. I desire to depart and be with Christ. That's very much better. Yet to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. You see, we have so much to look forward to. We are eternal through Jesus Christ. We have eternal life. It's going to be an incredible day of the day you die. And we need to realize that all of us on this earth are are just, life is temporary. You're all going to die. Might as well just admit it. 
you know, and I googled the stats a while ago. I haven't updated them, but there's a, there was about a year ago, about two deaths every second. So what's that, 120 a minute, 7,200 an hour? About 175,000 people die every single day. And the truth was, and is, that uh, the moment I knew Christ as my Savior, my old man died. And I was given eternal life through Jesus Christ. And I began to live. And it's the same for every single one of you. So guess what? It is good that life is temporary on this earth. Because there's good things coming. Good things coming. I've also seen his love displayed uh, as God has, has blessed me beyond what I can imagine. You know, you get a chance to stop and evaluate your life. And we all do that. I used to I do that every year anyway. And this has been really good for me to realize what a great life I've had and uh, continue to have. I love my wife. I'm so blessed to have her as my completer and my partner. Love her. Our kids and um, their husbands and our grandkids and, and uh, our parents and this job and your, God's church. Um, uh, God has blessed me. And uh, another thing that he showed me through this process, a couple that I really think are important for us to realize, is that, that good friends, godly friends, are priceless. Priceless. I tell you what, if you can choose to get rid of everything in this world and keep those precious relationships, you'll never regret it. And the other thing that's indescribable, that we're kind of celebrating today, that you can't explain or you cannot imagine the impact until you've lived it, is that God loves through his church. You. And uh, just take a deep breath, Marcia says. Uh, God loves through his church, and we've gotten to experience that in incredible ways that, are, that we can't ever thank enough. But... Um, He will. And, uh, and I recognize that the gifts are his love through you. So thank you for that. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Let us love one another. Love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You see, to share the ultimate love, God's love, you have to know God. And it's amazing how he just loves through his people. And, and it's, it's so cool to see it in a church family. It's so cool to see it in a marriage, which requires two people who love God and know God as Savior. It's so cool to see it in a family. It's so cool to see the love of God just played out over and over in lives. And so just pray for people to know Almighty God they get to experience his love. Not only is this life temporary, but my best day is coming, and God has blessed me while I'm here, and he's given us great friends and an incredible church, but, but just know that God provides peace in the moments. He provides peace, fruit of the Spirit. I say, walk by the Spirit, you won't carry out the desire of the flesh. Right? Not only do you get peace, you get love and joy and Patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? God provides that. 
And really, no matter what you're going through, no matter how deep the waters may be that you're walking through this day, no matter how overwhelming your circumstances may seem, no matter how helpless they may seem, if you have the peace of God with you, you can walk through anything. It's amazing. That's really what we crave. Peace. So, it's amazing to see how God has taught me about his character and his love for me and in this temporary life which could continue for me for years and years because only God knows the day I'm going to die. And uh, I remember when I was first diagnosed, Rob told me, you know, people might be sitting out there going, when's this guy going to die? And, uh, and that still may happen. <laughs> you know, you just never know. Uh, but that, that God loves us in incredible ways. And so just a few lessons on living. And I just kind of want to be bold, but I want it to kind of land on your lap. And I want you to think carefully about these things. And I feel like so often we, uh, we uh, these are just simple things that we all know. And yet so often we're robbed of life because these things kind of steal from us. So the very first thing that I really want you to think about is you, believer, have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Do you know how much of our time is spent in fear as Christians? We're worried about the future. We're worried about the past that we can't control. We're worried about the economy and the presidential elections and our neighbors and our kids and our parents. We're worried about what she said, however long ago she said it. We are consumed by fear. And I'm telling you, if you want to change your life, realize you have nothing to fear. In that day, John 14, 20, Jesus said, You will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. We're talking... The one who contains everything, the, the all-powerful one, the omniscient one, the one who is completely good, the one who is completely in control, the one who is the ultimate one. Jesus Christ is in him, and then you are in Christ as a believer, and then the Holy Spirit lives within you. Now, what do you have to be afraid of? What can they possibly do to us? Nothing. Nothing. We live in an eternal world and we have an incredible God who is good, and we do not have to be afraid. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear, First John tells us. And you can rest in the fact that there's no for, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Romans 8.1. So I just want you to think about that carefully. And when you're afraid, go back and think about who your God is and who you're trusting to be God. You don't have to fear. The second thing, just simple, but I just think it's uh, true for almost all of us, and uh, it's almost like God slows you down and he forces you to realize this, but I'm telling you, you do too many things looking for life. You do too many things. You're too busy, and you do too many things. And it's amazing how God saps the energy out of me and narrows my focus down, and I can't really do anything else. Last week I was leaving 
church and someone said uh, what are you going to do now and I said I'm going to go home and take a nap and they said well just because you can and I said no just because I can't do anything else uh, I would rather go ride my motorcycle go hiking in the hills go to the lake go do all the other kinds of things I'd rather do a lot of other things but the truth is God has taken that away and taken away all that excess energy and he sapped it and of course Satan comes in and tells me what a slug I am and, and, and God just reinforces the fact that no I'll show you what I ask you to do just live it out and it's amazing how he brings the right people at the right time and the right energy into our lives and at the end of every day Marsha and I just sit back blown away by what God did today it's amazing. And so I challenge you, in your face, you do too many things. And stop and evaluate them from an eternal perspective and see what God shows you. The next thing I, I challenge us with that we all know is true and we hear about it a lot is your stuff has very little value. Sorry. I know you think your stuff's worth a lot more than my stuff. But your stuff has very little value. And our country is consumed by stuff. And I'm not saying it's bad stuff. It's just mostly worthless. Okay? It's just mostly worthless. And honestly, when someone tells you you have weeks to live, you know what your first thoughts are going to be? What do I want to get that I haven't gotten yet? What can I hold on to that I don't want to lose? I promise you, it won't have nothing to do with your stuff. Nothing. Except for maybe, I can't believe I spent my whole life trying to get all this stuff, and now it's gone. Just in your face, your stuff has very little value. A couple other things. And I'm putting this into the form of you, because God's already put it in the form of me, personally. <laughs> so... Just want you to know that. This is not like, uh, doesn't have to do with me. This is what he's taught me in painful ways. And so I'm putting it back into your shoulders to let you process this. But just know that you're fools to worship idols. You are fools to worship idols. A fool is someone who lives as if there's no God. Jeremiah said it in chapter 2. He said, has a nation changed gods <laughs> when they were not gods? My people have changed their glory for what does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord. My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to human for themselves, cisterns. They're broken. They hold no water. And I got to tell you, when we stop and think about the things that we like, the things that are good on this earth, the things that all of a sudden we make most important, we're going to realize they hold no water. They're broken cisterns. And we realize we're foolish to worship these things. And Jesus Christ comes face to face, and he touches those things in our lives that are dear to us that uh, mostly they're not bad things. I mean, we can easily run away from bad things that are idols. These are mostly the good things, right? That we've just made the most important things, the ultimate things. And he touches the things that we love, and he puts himself face to face with those things we love, and he puts himself 
right in the middle of it, and he says to us, and essentially, my words, but he says, you choose. You choose. You want to worship your stuff? You want to worship your money? You want to worship your reputation? You want to worship me? You choose. Or how about, you want to worship your kids? Ouch. Tell you, if you want to cripple your kids, worship them. They need you to love them, respect them, invest in them, but worship God. Same thing we need as spouses. You see, Jesus puts himself face to face with us in those situations and says, you choose, and he'll let us choose, and he will simply walk away. And so if we do not choose him, he walks away and lets us keep on our own merry way until farther down the road there's more pain and we realize there's something that we're missing. We're fools to worship idols. Better hurry up here. A few more things I'll just tell you. Uh, a couple things that I think are important. First of all, thoughts on heaven. I get asked this occasionally. Do you think about heaven a lot more? Uh, and I would say no. Uh, first of all, my thoughts on heaven is, is heaven is so cool. And you take all the best that you can imagine of relationships, all the best of adventure, all the best of the things of this earth, all the best of the learning that you've ever done here, the challenges you've ever gotten here, the satisfaction you've ever experienced, and you take all those things, and you take away anything being marred by sin and pain and guilt and fear, and, uh, and you add in all so many more things that we've never even thought of and or imagined that we know that God has designed for us that are best for us, and it's just this incredible, pure, amazing adventure. Heaven is awesome, okay? It's absolutely awesome. And I tell you what, our favorite thing about heaven is going to be worshiping Jesus Christ and honoring him. And guess what? As Christians, we can do that right now. Right now, we can surrender to him. And a thousand years from now, we can all be gathered together. And you know what we'll want to do more than anything else? Worship Jesus Christ. Give him the value and the honor and the glory that only he deserves. He's the only one worth our worship. And that's what's cool to me, is that we're going to this place without pain, without sorrow, not marred by sin, not, not destroyed with all the evil and wickedness that we get to see. And instead, we're in this incredible place with our King of Kings, Lord of Lords, face to faith, living in this amazing adventure forever and ever and ever, and we don't want to go. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't understand that. I want to go. <laughs> and I love it here. But I'm so excited what God has. Another thing, besides how cool heaven will be and how uh, we can worship God, is this. Just a couple more. Hang with me here and I'll quit. I'm a little late. I'm sorry. But is that um, you will never waste your time in study, in meditation, in praying, in reading the Word of God. You'll never waste your time doing that. Ever waste your time doing that. I look back on my life. There's not one moment of every single day that I've turned to this word, which is, as far as I can remember, every single day that I, that I regret. Not, not one. 
So don't rob yourself of that. Don't rob yourself of that, thinking the stuff of this world is so much cooler, it's not even close. You'll never regret that time. <laughs> Another pearl, thoughts on life, is don't try and fight God's plan. All right? It's better than yours. I'll just tell you that <laughs> flat out. All right? Don't, don't try and fight his plan. It's better than yours. Just trust him. And then it comes down to key things that we all know that we've wanted to live our lives really uh, portraying, but just love God and love people, right? Know God, make him known. I just challenge you to do that. Love God, love people. It's amazing what an adventure your life can become. And then finally, my, my favorite thing is just to abide in Christ and rest in him, trust him. John says, I'm the true vine, John 15. My father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That means he lifts up. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it can bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I am in him will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. By simply staying connected from him, we don't have to produce anything. He's the producer. We get to bear fruit. And you know what that is? We get to bear peace and love and joy and the fruit of the Spirit. How cool is that? So I just uh, really hope you take some time to see what God tells you about this. Not what I tell you. Just know that you got nothing to fear. Evaluate your schedule. See if you're doing too many things. Realize how little value stuff ultimately has. Realize how worthless it is to worship idols. Realize heaven's going to be awesome. And we'll get to continue to worship Christ, which we can do right now. You'll never waste your time studying his word. Don't try and fight his plan. Just love our God, love his people, and abide in him. If you'll stand with me, we'll just close in prayer. Father, I, uh, I just thank you for the privilege that we have to know you. Thank you that you're real and you manifest yourself to us in so many ways. And God, I pray for your people gathered together in this room. I pray, God, that you would overwhelm them with a sense of your presence, that, that real, thick presence in their spirit today. And that you would just speak directly to each one of them. And that you would just show them an area of their life where they can just get to know you better for the simple reason that then they can experience more of your grace and your goodness and your love. And I pray, God, that these would be a people that uh, are just celebrating that they're redeemed. Celebrating the fact that, uh, that you live with us and you dwell in us. And we don't have to fear. We could boldly proclaim how great you are. And I, God, I, I just pray that a revival would break out. Beginning right here with us. And your love would just shine through this city in incredible ways. 
and we'll just give you the glory. Amen. Thanks, guys. God bless you all.